everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a chef for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We've got a great show today. Our special guest is none other than Donald Trump. <laughs> just kidding. Wait, before but- you even go into like what we're doing today, I just want to thank everybody who tuned in with us last week for our eight-year anniversary. We had a two-hour special some of the best and brightest of the dining world from all over the world were on with us. And it was so exciting and so great. So we just want to thank everybody who came in studio, who got on the phone with us. It was really a tremendous well, two that's hours. That's why we're continuing it today. Yes. You know, our passion on this show is talking about uh, great edibles and potables and how they're prepared, how they're served, how they're sourced. And so it makes sense that today's show should be devoted to a restaurant group that's founded on a passion for great dining, and it's passion food hospitality. Oh, my God. You must have worked really hard on putting that all together. I made it up all by myself. Good for you. I did it. So these guys have eight restaurants uh, across Maryland, D.C., and Virginia, and they're well-known. They're highly regarded. All three, I guess you guys are partners, co-proprietors, whatever you are, in here today. Partners in crime. Sitting right, and a couple of their top people will introduce them, too, but Mm -hmm. sitting to my left is Chef Jeff Tunks, who is a, you are... You are a what are you? You're. I don't know. That's not a real good way to introduce him. No, but he. I mean, he's hard to 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 think. He's a CIA graduate. He was a Ramy Chef of the Year among lots of other accolades, and you're a fixture in the community, and also a nice guy. Yes, he is. And who's that guy right next to him? that's so nice. Okay. Um, do we so, recognize Gus Demilo over yes, there? Yes, we do. Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, I was fortunate enough to got at, uh, and got asked to go on a trip to Iceland with several of people in studio right, here. Yeah. In fact, yeah. all of you except for Ryan. This is Ryan nice. was a the bunch of guys asked there. my wife to go to Iceland with them. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so Gus, who heads up Passion Foods Service and Marketing Divisions, and then uh, David Weisenberg also, Hi. who is um, – he is – he manages Passion Foods business and is also a CIA grad and a SOM. But you're supposed to be. Things? You're also supposed to be a, a, a great negotiator. You should have written the art of the deal, probably. Right. Maybe <laughs> you just need needed some more time. <laughs> but University of Denver also go pioneers. Okay. Good. Well, so you guys are all in studio and Boo Kim. All three of us were on that. Oh, and Jeff too. Yeah. All of us were on that trip to Iceland together, and we had so much fun. It's just a shame well, you, you weren't say there. What Boo does? Okay. Well, Boo oversees we'll the operations later. for. Um, for District Commons, Penn Commons, Burger, Burger Tap and Shake in Foggy Bottom, um, and, and Acadiana, and the soon-to-open Ten Penn and Tyson. So and, it's not like he's not busy at all. And not, never last but least, is Ryan McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Ryan, like Boo, oversees operations for Passion Fish in uh, Reston, in Bethesda, and also at Burger Tap and Shake in Tenley Town. Mm-hmm. And they all were up up late, and now they're up early here with us. Right. Uh, before we get to you guys, quickly, we're going to go to Mike Koch, who's on the phone. Mike is the executive director of Fresh Farm Markets, and he's going to tell us what's happening out there in the the markets today. You there, Mike? I'm here. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello, you got bro. a beautiful day today. Oh, it's beautiful and crisp. The The breeze is uh, beautiful. I'd love to see the fall come. Did you have fun last week? We did. We did. Yeah, Jim and I enjoyed being there. You guys, congratulations. 
Oh, well, well thank I'm, you. you know, great I'm you. angry at you because you're still so tan and mm-hmm. mine is gone. Ah, uh, well. No, Try well. coming to the market more. All right, so tell us. Yeah. Um, so there was a great article in the New York Times magazine, the food issue story about big food. Yeah. I mean, what do you think yeah. about that? My gosh. I mean, you know, if if you've ever needed motivation to run to a farmer's market, uh, the New York Times magazine food issue story was certainly, you know, eye-opening. You, you know, we know that uh, the biggest contributors to global climate change are ag and transportation. So it's, it's you know, local food is, mm-hmm. is, is the double whammy solution. So, yeah, give it a read. It's, it's really kind of remarkable. The pictures alone are, are Yeah, they're stark. fabulous. All right. Yeah. And then the feast is only nine yeah. days away. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're reaching a frenzied peak. It's going to be fantastic. The food is going to be over the top. And we've got an auction lineup that uh, is really, really uh, impressive, including um, a private paella party for 10 folks at uh, Jose Andres's uh, private residence. Mm. Chef Jose is a great supporter of Fresh Farm. We absolutely love him and his generosity and who are the chefs uh, who are the chefs participating this year oh my gosh uh we've got spike yurta we've got jeremiah langhorn mm-hmm. we've got amy from centralina brandwine amy brandwine amy brandwine yeah i, I mean the list is is just so long and in, including uh the last count 35 individual farms and food producers represented in partnerships with those chefs so oh, that's amazing well, that, that paella i don't know if you call it a brunch or a lunch thing at jose's at jose's house is, is so unbelievable it is it's, gorgeous. Gorgeous. it's worth yeah, the trip just for that on you know i mean the food is gonna well, be we'll awesome. be at the feast maybe we can um <clears throat> bid on it excuse me that would be awesome yeah. <laughs> my husband did not hear me say that so we can keep going i heard it i heard it <laughs> All right, what's at market today, Mike? Oh, my gosh, this is my favorite time of year because you, you've got the greens that are still here, but then just, you know, truckloads of squash and pole beans and um, apples. I think we need to come up with a better name for those beans. I think pole beans is a really bad name, just saying. Yes. Yeah, shelling beans. Okay, yeah. that's better. <laughs> Much better. Yeah. Not as bad as the game cornhole. <laughs> yeah. That's worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nikki yeah. laughed. Oh my god. All right. So, uh, Mike, let's give yeah. the uh, let's give the web address where, where yeah. we can find Fresh Farm Please. tickets. Uh, the, the feast tickets. www.freshfarm.org forward slash feast. Come yeah. out and see it. Right, you better be prepared because I am not eating until that feast. Yeah, we're so coming. We're coming. We can't wait. Excellent. All right. All take right. care. See you, Mike. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. So, Jeff, Gus, and David, I've been in partnership with the guys since 1988. You guys and they have been hate together each other. Since 19- <laughs> no, we don't. But, but I mean, you know, we want to talk about the origins of, of Passion Food and how you all got together, but also how the part, I mean, the partnership, clearly, you guys are, it's like being married. So, it's a whole interesting thing. How did you guys meet and how did this all get started? Mm. I feel like we should play playing like the way we were, like in the background. Like, Memories. <laughs> well, it goes back quite a ways. It goes mm-hmm. back. Um, see, we've been in business for 18 years together, but um, 10 years before then is when uh, Jeff and I first met at the River Club. And, uh, well, the I, infamous River Club. That's right. You are a bad boy. Yeah. That's right. That was 1987. That's yeah. right. Almost 30 years ago. So. Yeah, a long time ago. And that... Uh, that place, uh, when that opened up, it was, uh, they brought Jeff up from te- Texas, from, uh, Mansion on Turtle Creek. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, the captain in the dining room, and that's how we met. 
and we became really good friends. Open up Nate Luna together. I'm so much younger. I was still in high school. <laughs> right, right, right. Of course. <laughs> and uh, and then he left and uh, did his thing, and I met and I met David. But when Jeff and I met, we were became fast friends. <clears throat> we always talked about doing something together when we were ready. And then uh, he took off and tried to get more experience in opening up uh, the Coronado Bay, and then he was at the Windsor Court. And meanwhile, I meet David mm-hmm. Weisenberg here, and we became great friends. And so now, where did you the whole meet? thing is about well, being I was friends. actually in Texas as well. I was in Houston working for a, uh, a small um, uh, hotel company. I had kind of come up through... The culinary as well as Jeff did, and then I was. Mm-hmm. In you Denver. went to CIA as well, right? I, I did, yeah. I did. I didn't win the Roth Award or anything else like Jeff, but uh, I discovered you at the I CIA. Every day. Award. <laughs> <laughs> Knowledge is a good thing, but practice is uh, is more important. And he's he's a little better than I am in that that vein. So I wound up in San Francisco for a period of time, and then mm-hmm. gradually made my way back east, and I wound up in D.C. to take care of my mother, who was ill at the time, and uh, and. Wound up at Capital Management, which is where Gus was uh, was oh, then. Oh, sure. Yeah. Part of the River Club, Jay Paul's, 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 yeah. Paulos, yeah. right, the whole Not thing. Luna, yeah. Old Glory, right. Georgia right. Browns, yes, all of which them. are still around. So you guys were all there at different times. At I different was there times. from 1987. I left in 1991, right after I opened Nota Luna in 1990, right. okay. and then came back and we formed our partnership, our company. In November of 1997, then we opened up D.C. Coast of June of 1998. So do you consider yourselves responsible for Marion Barry's notorious behavior at the River Club? (laughs) There was a lot of of bad behavior from a lot of people at the River Club. I I will tell you, I I did get a couple of declined credit cards from Marion Barry at the River Club, and I would call Paul, my Uncle Paul Cohn, and he would... uh, just, just don't worry about it. Yeah, just let it go. <laughs> let it, let go. it go, right? Those were different days. Yeah, so were. when you guys decided back in the mid '90s to open up DC Coast, I mean that. I mean, I had just moved down, or no, I had been here maybe for a couple of years because we were either dating or married when that opened. Who remembers? I mean, it was a long time ago. Um, but that it was such an explosion when that restaurant opened because the decor, the design. I mean, you guys put so much into it. Was that your, like, what? where were you taking it from and what were you looking for well, for D.C. Well, our, our whole idea was because all of us, you know, being in the industry and being in D.C., you know, back when we were um, getting ready to open up D.C. Coast, everybody was going to New York or Philadelphia, check out the restaurant scene, what mm-hmm. was going on. And we, there was no reason why you couldn't bring that here to D.C. Why did we have to go to New York? Exactly. Right. So that was our whole idea. We have this great chef. Jeff, mm-hmm. who really, you know, has all these great ideas. Why not put it in the, the venue as necessary that to, to, to show showcase it? Mm-hmm. Well, so we took trips to New York and checked out different restaurants and design, looked for a really great site. You know, David hunted around for a good location. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were going to go on one location, but that kind of fell through. And we went back to 14th and K, where we looked at long ago. Which and, was a... Well, it's pretty savory. Pretty savory. Pretty savory. Stop shopping. My office was at 13th and K, but I never saw it. Was a it was like Frederick Hollywood area. at nighttime walking around. Right. Bit, it was a tough know. area, but we had, we had such support because back then it was the beginning of trying to reclaim 
downtown in segments of the city, grid by grid. Mm -hmm. And we had the downtown bid support. We had the support of the historical society. Because it was a, you know, the, the, it's a historical building. You know what, Gus? I'm gonna, we're going to take a little break from this conversation because we're just going to do a cocktail before the commercial break sure. or whatever oh, you're making yeah. first. So let's do that, and then we'll get right back into this conversation. So okay. David, I have just another pumpkin cocktail, and this is with um, Captain Morgan spiced rum and some pumpkin juice, condensed milk. A little bit of allspice, some clove. You want to see me do the Captain Morgan pose? No, please don't. I don't. Seriously? <laughs> Lemon juice and then some nutmeg. So I'll do that for you. Okay, so All what right. is this a shake? No, this is just a cocktail. Wait, wait, wait. you got to get in front of the mic. You want to make there, it? there we go. It's already mixed. It probably could this be This is a, a cocktail yeah. of the month that we're doing for okay. uh, for Halloween. Okay, in which places? This is at uh, BTS. Okay. Um, so BTS, we have a burger of the month, and then we have a uh, cocktail of the month that we match to it. We also do a shake of the month. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, and we put the drink together and then and then Jeff who is uh, I understand puts the burger he is together, like he's he is the, the namer he is the namer he is <laughs> the namer right. of the burgers yeah. and the cocktails are just the well the shake tails originally and stuff yes yeah, a lot of tongue and cheek involved okay. there's word that the partnership is going to break up because the other two are jealous that you get to do all the naming the naming that that's right is that a, <laughs> no, not true so um, David who comes up with the cocktail of the month. Um, I would love to tell you it's me, but our program has grown sort of beyond my abilities, to be honest right. with you. And and Scott Klein, who so uh, Scott's was the head of beverage, and, yeah. he is the head of our beverage and group buying. So he mm -hmm. sort of controls all of the the from our business we'd call cost of goods orientation. So right. he is in charge of of doing contracts and things like that. But also all of our alcohol production. He and I taste every product that goes on. So he still allows me to participate in that. So we taste once a week. Okay. And That's then uh, we also put together the cocktail like programs. But he has a great background in, both in Napa and he worked at the Heathman in Oregon and then joined us, I guess now it's been a dozen years at least. Um, and he runs a great program. So he's in charge of putting these together. All right, great. Well, thank you for this. It's like um, pumpkin pie. It really yeah. is. That's what it tastes right. like. This it matches the weather well today. Exactly. This is David and Dickie Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back talking more about the D.C. restaurant scene with the guys from Passion Food Hospitality. We'll be back in just a sec. Shop the market at River Falls in Potomac for the finest selection of fresh fish. More than 20 types of fish and 15 types of shellfish every day. Plus gourmet prepared foods at MarketRiverFalls.com or call 301-765-765. 8001. This segment of Foodie and the Beast is sponsored by ProFish, DC's premier seafood company. ProFish delivers only the freshest, safest, and most sustainable seafood. Visit them at ProFish.com. Hey, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We have the whole leadership team mm -hmm. from Passion Food Hospitality. And then we, you know, Gus, let's get back to the conversation we were having. Um, you know, I'm a native Washingtonian. I may be the only one in the room. And back in the day, Dukes and and Mel Crouppen's, you know, were were like the restaurants. And then in the mid to late eighties, nobody you knows had... what day you're talking about. No, no, that no, wasn't no. my day. They they do. Do. That's for sure. I I do though. Okay. Okay. I've been in DC for over forty years. Now. Well, okay, and then okay. in the mid eighties, yeah. you had Joe and Moe's and Gary's and a couple of sort of steakhouses that they basically were replicating, you know, videos. the meat and potatoes kind of thing. Right. But wasn't there and, like Le Maison? Wasn't something called well, Le Maison? Well, they went through a whole. Maison Blanc under next the, to the White House. Under the Tiberio, Yeah, but there was a Dominique. So it wasn't a lot. And, yeah. and Galileo. But generally, you know, it, it, and I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, in the 70s and 80s, the, the, the yuppie generation, you know, 
not the ba- not the, the the whatever boomers. We're starting to travel more, starting to appreciate more. And I think that you know people, you were going to New York to see what was going on there. They were going to New York to eat. Exactly. And the fact that you brought that here, you were part of really of the leading edge of a generation of restaurateurs that said, you know, DC do doesn't some, just have to have steakhouse. It's not no, just a sleepy no. southern town anymore, and that's yeah. part of it. And what's interesting now is DC <laughs> Coast, after 18 years, has closed, and you're you know closed because restaurants you know. Run their course. They run their course. And you're doing other things that are now going to address. Is there a question in here? Well, I'm saying (laughs) I'm I'm leading to, you know, the new things that you're doing because there's a whole bunch of new activity. It's not just the restaurants you have. But let's talk about that because in 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 the way you did it. So you had D.C. Coast cemented yourself in. And then you opened up some restaurants kind of in quick succession. Well, t- it, was, right. it was pretty much two years apart. I think okay. Tinpin opened up in 2000, mm-hmm. and then Saba opened up in uh, 2003. Mm-hmm. So it was been, you know, two or three years. We have people, obviously, that are working for us and groom for sous chefs become chefs and right. managers become, you know, GMs, assistant GMs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I never know. Evolution. What the hell did Saba mean? What was a Saba? Saba's a tree. And when we were doing our traveling and our research, before we open up every restaurant, we do a little... R&D. Research, and, and we would travel to the uh, uh, to the Yucatan uh, uh, went down to Brazil and, and stuff. all over. Mm-hmm. And we were on this uh, car ride through the Yucatan Peninsula, and everything was cut down. They, you know, they cut down forests like crazy there to plant whatever. And there was this one lonely tree standing there, and I asked the guy, you know. Oh wow, that's strange. What is that tree? And he says the Saba tree. <laughs> Sounds like a Doctor Seuss story. The tree of it. <laughs> yeah, it was so beautiful because it's a spiritual tree. They mm-hmm. believe that it's one of the tallest trees tra- in that region. So yeah, yeah, and it, it, your soul's supposed to travel up the trunk of the tree. I so I thought it was so beautiful that they were trying to preserve them, mm-hmm. and we named the restaurant then. Okay. All right, now so you we got Tenpen, we have Saba, and. But now you've got your Burger Tap and Shape, you've got District Commons, you've got yes. Pen Commons. So as you were evolving, and tell Passion me, Fish, of course, and yeah. Passion Fish, right, yeah. and Passion yeah. Fish, Bethesda, and Reston. So how did your concepts sort of evolve to take those? Diff- was it more about the neighborhoods you went into? Because you're in Virginia, you're in D.C., you're in Bethesda. Like as your concepts evolve. You know, is it more about where you're going to? Well, we first started, D.C. Coast was sort of a, a trilogy of different styles. We had a lot of seafood, obviously. Mm-hmm. We had a sort of Asian influence. We had some Louisiana influence because of my experience at the Windsor Court. So sure. uh, Tim Pim was like a natural spinoff for that style, and I think Acadiana was also. But it's mm-hmm. based on the neighborhood we looked at and sort of the saturation and what they're underserved in. And for us, for example, at Passion Fish in Reston, we went out there, and there's all national chains like Big Bull and Mona mm-hmm. Gabby and McCormick and Schmidt and Morton's and stuff. But we mm-hmm. thought, what could we do well and sort of bring a city restaurant out to the suburbs so people didn't have to drive town to get that, replicate that experience? And we thought Passion Fish mm-hmm. would be a good fit for that. And so that's how we sort of grew from those different concepts. Okay. Mm-hmm. And but what about, like, mm-hmm. Penn Commons and um, District Commons? Because those are, they're more like, I mean, they're not, I don't know how to explain them. They're Like, they're like... It's not a diner, but like everything about it, you know, like you could go there for lunch, you you could go there for breakfast. I just ate there not long ago. It's like comfort food for for smart people. It's it's supposed to be considered a 21st American uh, quintessential tavern. So it's Mm -hmm. everything from it. And it's funny, when we first opened, we were determined to just be American. So as far as the beverage program, we started off at District Commons and didn't have anything that was not born and bred American. 
mm-hmm. and of course uh, I didn't give enough consideration to the fact that the IMF was next door. Right. And so so it's uh, we ended up adding some other items, but we really showcase American products from American uh, micro and small craft breweries to mm-hmm. uh, to our 99 bottles of beer on the wall program. Right. To an all American wine list, and so we're really focusing on what's true American and and the, that melting pot of of cuisine that's really from all over the world in mm-hmm. essence. Well, you know, and let's talk about the beverage program because we haven't really focused on that except for this first cocktail. Mm-hmm. How much, I mean, you know, we've had mixologists in here. Every week there's somebody in here mixing drinks. And what is interesting about that scene is, you know, first you had craft beers that were sort of mixed up in the bathtub at home. Sure, now craft, sure. craft beers are an industry in and of themselves. And now you've got craft well, and distilling. Craft and, and beer tails, you know. So we have right. beer tails, you have shake tails, and really the the – the mixologist coming from what was a bartender and so on has really become a a uh, an important part of its own. What I'm passing around here, just because everybody looked a little peaked, yeah. is uh, Ario <laughs> Speedwagon. This is a uh, is this a, a shake tail? Co- Did yes. you name this? Yes. yes. Okay. Just no one else sure. remembers Ario well, Speedwagon. Are you yes. kidding? Um, so Ario Speedwagon <laughs> is spiked with Kahlua. Okay. Um, Fantastic shake tail makes. Uh, we have these down at GW and at, at BTS Tenley, so those AU students and uh, and GW students can can kick it up a notch. So their GPAs can drop by a whole point. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, I think opening then, up that the Burger Tap and Shake in those the two places that you open them up at, you know, especially near the schools, makes right. so much sense. But what's interesting, and Jeff, you and I have talked about this before. I mean. You know, you're just not doing a fast, casual concept. Like, you didn't just slap it together. Like, you made the buns. Like, you took time to put together the product. You know, you have these uh, shake tails. Like, you really went out of your way to make sure that everything you were doing was top of the line. Right, sort of chef-driven. Right. Yeah. And we know, saw... I think it's also, it's, it's, it's chef-driven. So we're doing really what we would call a quick-service product, but not, but not fast food. Right. I mean, it's Jeff spends a tremendous amount of time in focusing on us, as, as you could say, and also on the on the drinks and even in the locality. You know, when we expand a project, whether it be Passion Fish, which is in Bethesda and Reston, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a, what we would call a core concept. So we have significant things that are the same, like District Commons and Penn Commons. There's a the concept, the drive behind it is similar, but then we work to the neighborhood. So Tenley Town and GW are slightly different because of the neighborhood. Penn Commons, District Commons, slightly neighbor- different because of what, what drives that client to come in. And does that evolve over time? I mean, do you go in there with not preconceived notions, because I know you do your homework on those neighborhoods, but do you go in there and be like, oh, okay, well, we thought that was going to work, but clearly oh, the, na- the neighborhood for sure. oh, okay, yeah. the neighborhood is responding to what our needs yeah, are. some growing pains, obviously. Yeah, yeah you know, project. when we did Passion Fish oh, yeah. and Reston, you know, it's it's – a lot of it's what people see, you know, and they get a first impression. So people saw this, you know, it's a beautifully designed restaurant. Um, Jordan Goldstein and the team at Gensler, I mean, just tremendous, you know. Mm-hmm. And so so we, we open up and people would look in the windows and say, oh, my God, it's, you know, too pricey. Well, we were less expensive than a lot of our neighbors, you know. Sure. So, but some of it also is the menu and what people are expecting and, and, and people's um, – how they dine changes and changes much faster than it used to. So there's always tweaking and changing. And I mean, I think Jeff reworked that menu maybe half a dozen times in six months. Yeah, we first started with a lot more composed dishes. We found out people wanted a larger selection of fresh catches so they could sort of be the captain of their own little ship and pick my sauce and pick my accompaniment to go with it. And I mm-hmm. think we had better success with that format than a lot of the composed dishes. Well, stuff, you, so. well I want to know what, what are you finding the difference between what the a more established rest and customer base is doing and what's happening in Bethesda? I, I think you know, it's they, very similar. I think they're very similar markets with the affluency and, and that type of thing. Um, 
it just takes a while, I think, to get good word of mouth and consistency, you know, mm-hmm. with those things. And once I think you get, you know, for example, we had sort of a slow, sluggish start in Reston because we opened right during the crash of 2008. And there's high seafood restaurant. And uh, but now we have more loyalty guests at that one restaurant than other restaurants downtown. No, combined. people love that restaurant. Yeah, because I mean, it, like I said, it's there. That's where they go to work, to do their business meetings. That's where they go to do celebration birthdays, graduations, mm-hmm. and stuff. They don't feel that that's great. They don't have to go downtown right. and fight traffic and pay for valet parking and worried about an extra glass of wine and have to drive all the way back mm-hmm. and, stuff, and still so. get really good. You know, have a really good dining experience. Exactly. So I, I got to Let's. Why don't we bring in Ryan and Boo into the conversation, guys? Can you step up and find a spot at the mic? I'm just, gonna, wait. You guys don't have to leave. Let me just interrupt with this sugar buzz. Yeah, can you I tell me you. So, what this is? This is our signature shake at at BTS. This is called uh, the BTS shake. It's Butterfinger Twix Snickers with vanilla ice cream. And if you go on the I'm website, like, I'm like high. This, this is well. This is it's funny. So my my son Griffin, first mm-hmm. time he was ever in the restaurant, I gave him this milkshake. He'd never had a milkshake in his life, and the smile is just hilarious. So it's on the website. Um, okay. But this is yeah, we sell Oreos 800 of these a month at each location. So okay. this is a, there's no booze in this one though, right? Nothing. You don't okay, need good. It. So Tess can have some. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Anyway, back, back to you, Ryan and Boo. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. All right, so you guys are really at, you're running several restaurants, but you're really at store level. So you're seeing how, are you reporting back to these guys on how tastes and how customers are reacting to different dishes and all of that? Or are you actually kind of driving all of that yourselves? Does that make sense? Well, we have a meeting uh, every Monday, and, you know, it's it's our operations meeting, and we talk from everything, mm-hmm. from how guests are Responding to things, how the restaurants are running, to things like R and M. You know, it's just it's a, it's an all encompassing. Repairs and maintenance for, for <laughs> yes, those sorry. people that don't know what R and M stands <laughs> yes. for. So. Yes, yeah. it's their the first of probably twenty communications in a day, whether right. it's on the phone or in person. Because so. it's not just about the food; it's about the, the well, it's an overall the presentation. It's about the service. It's about so, housekeeping, cleanliness. Right. So all we do that. our best to keep our thumb on the pulse of all the operations that we oversee, and so what we do is we report back. Um, along those lines in terms of operations, service, culture, staffing, staff, management, mm-hmm. um, I mean, guest feedback. Massive. But all so of like those ideas. District's commons, for example. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a massive restaurant. Yes. And so how many managers do you have on the floor at any given time? Uh, three. I mean, that's most. a lot. It's a lot. It we is have a lot. seven on staff okay. all together at District Commons, uh, managing both District Commons as well as Burger Tap Shake. So it's really two concepts under one roof. Right. Even right. though they're, you can't really exactly. get to one from the yes. other. But, no, I totally understand. We should probably mention that Boo was the Ramy Award winner for Manager of the Year. Oh, in you <laughs> Thank you. Well, Boo, yeah. Boo has quite a history. Not only was he our first hire at D.C. Coast, but way, way back in the day when I built Palos Rockville, mm-hmm. Boo was uh, worked with me there as a runner. Oh, my God. That was my very first restaurant. And he's job. running the marathon next week. Look right. at him. No, yeah. It's in three weeks. Then he transitioned to Goss and really learned, learned how to run a restaurant. <laughs> Well, so you know what? We're going to take a quick break because I want to get into sort of the dailies, like how it works in the restaurant, because I think people think it's so easy. Oh, that's you know? and it's, so much the case. People right. think it's just, hey, I can open up a restaurant and, I, I and run really it successfully. Well. Right. I watch a food network, so therefore I can run a restaurant. I, you we can do this. I can, th- I can throw a great cocktail party. I can do this. Exactly. All right. We're going to take a quick break. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast and the team from Passion Food Hospitality. We'll be back in just a minute. 
Shop the market at River Falls in Potomac for the finest selection of fresh fish. More than 20 types of fish and 15 types of shellfish every day. Plus gourmet prepared foods at MarketRiverFalls.com or call 301-765-8001. We are back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis and our guests in studio are really the, the, uh, the senior management team and, and owners of passion food hospitality um you know we were talking about basically the up the up close and personal contact with the customer uh do you i mean how much of what the customer says about a particular dish influences you know your kind of next wave of menu planning um we really include all that information you know we have a manager logged in the night and any kind of feedback that any of the managers or even the staff get go in that log and all of us read them every morning. I know mm-hmm. it takes a, a good chunk of, in the morning to read all the restaurants manager logs, but Jeff is always taking into account of all that information. Yeah, you know, I think from from an ownership perspective, we want to make sure the execution is proper. Mm-hmm. So there's there's two different things, you know, and sometimes a guest is experiencing an item that they're identifying as there being a problem and how it's prepared um, that is execution and not really design of the dish. Right. So there's two different well, things. Well, you have to, to really sort of take all at. that into consideration. We do. We do. And let's also talk about, I mean, under both of your um, sort of umbrellas is your, all these employees. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, your wait staff, your runners, all these people. I mean, how do you train them? Because we, I mean, listen, anybody who comes in on the show who owns a restaurant in D.C. is like, they're are, there are not a lot of servers in town. I mean, this is not where people come to serve. It's kind of a nomadic existence anyway. Serve food. So how do you go about taking somebody, let's look at it two ways. A, somebody who's fresh and has never done it before, and B, somebody who's more seasoned, but they've worked for a totally different kind of concept. So how do you teach the passion food hospitality way to your staff? What's the training process? Well, the, the first part in hiring people is, always hiring someone that's got a good personality. Mm-hmm. You can teach them all the A, Bs, and Cs of opening a bottle of wine, but you can't teach people to be nice. Right. You know, and that's really <laughs> the important thing. And and then the training process, you know, there's depending on what kind of role you're playing, really is a very detailed, the way it goes. There's always, you know, you follow this progress, and then you do this, and you do this, and you do this. And mm-hmm. it's it's really just, you know, teaching people to make people feel at home. The labor force has, has gotten much more difficult uh, within the last five years. Um, well, due workers. to the explosion of <laughs> exactly. restaurants. Exactly. I, I mean, counted there are 2,000 restaurants in Washington, D.C. alone. So you're trying to find skilled employees, and you have to work with what you have. Some people are, are not as skilled as others. Mm-hmm. And so what you have to do is you have to bring out the best in them. So you find yourself doing a lot more mentoring and coaching and, and teaching people. And as Ryan talked about, I think attitude is probably the most important thing. They could have less experience, but – if you can develop that experience, but the attitudes count for so much more. Mm-hmm. The smile, the, the desire to, to, to serve versus um, having experience. And it's it's really hard to find good people. And what about the people who, like, want to grow with you all? Like, do you know what I mean? Do you find that you, like, you've been with the company, you know, since D.C. Coast. I mean, you've been with them for a very long time. Are there other people like you who, like, you can sort of look at and say, yeah, these are people we want to. Well, I, I think team. from from my perspective, you know, one of the challenges we had as we've we grew and and you know we never planned on having two restaurants, much less eight. And, mm-hmm. and so as uh, Gus, Jeff, and I grew, we we were very very concerned as we quote unquote expanded or developed new projects that the style that we have in the restaurants where we were touching the tables and we were on the floor 
and so on. And as we've grown and are unable to do that, the whole idea of having Ryan and Scott and Boo um, and Kathy and so on and all the directors in our team is that they are on the floor, they're in the restaurants, they're focusing on the guest and the managers. So when there are issues or things that have to be followed up, it's not a confrontational type of thing. It's more of a in the matter of how we run our businesses. So as staff is more and more comfortable with that, mm-hmm. they are they are just naturally more uh, interested in, in growing and expanding in that. Now, the other thing that, that these guys are great about is, you know, when Gus and I came up, it was a very different style of employer. They would tell you what to do and do it. Right. Whereas now, there's a lot more dialogue, a lot more buying into what the staff member's interested in. And so it's a very, very more, di- it's much more difficult we and We have to keep people happy. Well, but what's interesting. You have to learn how to motivate guys, them. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Learning yeah, yeah. this now, but, you know, you're, I mean, Ryan and Boo are homegrown. You know, That's they right. Came up. That's right. So they, they know very, I mean, they know instinctively how we would react. But when you think about, you know, there are a lot of celebrity chefs who have gotten very popular because their food is good and they expand and they expand. Or their brand is good. Out of their, in the brand is popular. I mean, Wolfgang Puck has done it well and succeeded. There are a lot of others, not to be named, who as their empire grows, they have less control. I don't know where they get their people, but the, the, the nice thing for you guys is you haven't gone, oh, let's, you know, we'll go to New York, we'll go to Charleston. You're all here. Mm-hmm. So the command group is here, and you can keep better. It's better quality control, I think it sounds like. Yeah, and and, and I want. I mean, I want to know the the individuals. I mean, to be honest, you know, to, to say I know eight hundred different names and so on. It's very difficult, but I certainly know their faces, and and we we want to be in the restaurants as often as we can. But I want it to be a positive experience. So mm-hmm. um, we really focus on the day to day difficulties. Um, being from these guys, being able to, to deal with that in their, their interaction day in and day out. And so I can really focus on looking someone in the eye and saying hello to them. Sure. Well, now let's just move on a little bit because you are opening up a new property. And I know Jeff is out there cooking up some food. But So let's talk about 10 Pen was in D.C. Yep. But you're 10 now... Pen's lease ran in, in 2011. Right. And that whole area really has changed. And you see that throughout the city where you know it used to be you'd sign a 15-year lease and the market would, would be relatively... Um, the same throughout that term. And now mm-hmm. the market changes much, much more quickly. Dining styles have changed. So, yeah, we're doing 10 Pen Tysons. Mm-hmm. And it is a, it's a harken back to what we had at 10 Pen on Pennsylvania Avenue. Right. But a very new and, and, and progressively changed 10 Pen. So, so what really? does that mean? Well, the right st- in your menu, decor, everything. Okay. So stylistically, the, the menu is going to be a little bit more geared towards sharing and, you know, smaller plates, medium plates. I mean, we can have a traditional meal, but much more geared towards that celebration of mm-hmm. this cuisine. And the uh, with the addition, now we have sushi also, which we didn't have at the original 10 Pen. Mm-hmm. So really speaking to not only um, that celebration, but people's dining trends as well. Okay. Why the addition of sushi? I think that's interesting. I mean, I know you do it at Passion... Uh, both your passion fishes, both passion right? Fish, yeah. So why a tempen? I know it's an Asian concept, but is it just because? Well, I think sushi has really it's grown to be more perfect. than simply Japanese. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that yes, yeah, certainly the term is, but the eating of raw fish, the the healthy approach to it, um, the types of rolls that are very popular in the states really are not traditional no, sushi right. anyway. Um, but it's a great vehicle to really get people eating well, eating healthy. And, and a, really just a fantastic combination of flavors. So mm-hmm. here's a sourcing question, because you have seafood restaurants, passion fishing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Is the world running out of seafood? I mean, that's been sort of a constant mm. theme. That Smart, sustainable purchasing is always going to be great. And I think people have to be really careful. You know, there's this whole dialogue about we're organic and we're natural and this and that. And they're all words. The the, the important yeah. thing is sustainability. Right. You can do something as organically as possible. And then if you use fossil fuel for the thousand miles to get it to where it's going, you've blown the whole idea. So I think that smart purchasing, using good quality vendors, working in tandem with them about getting products through the market. I was going to say, some of the vendors here, I mean, we work with ProFish, and, you know, Mm -hmm. there, and Congressional is great, too. I mean, you know, but, like, some of the vendors here in the city, that is a keystone to what they're doing. Absolutely. Very much so. But they have to have have good vendors. Is the future of of, of basically always having shrimp or whatever oysters on your menu, excuse me, is the future of that farming and not just going out there into the world and finding fish? Well, I think that it's both. I mean, I think that, yeah. you know, a farm-raised product versus a wild-caught product is is not as good. I mean, it's it, the reality of it is finding line-caught, finding wild um, product to get is, is more flavorful. It's also, it allows that animal to grow naturally and so on, um, and I think that that's better. There certainly is a... a uh, an industry in farming that is that is good and it helps the population um, and it really opens people's eyes to those products which I think is important as well but I mean is it I guess I'm asking a broader industry question now because okay you let's move on what do we yeah. have to move on yes I think we should <laughs> you move want on. To get serious? All right. <laughs> no. well we let's just got out. boy being married is hard <laughs> work uh, but we just got great food just remember right. who's in so. charge all, all right, right. Um, I mean I think it's a great conversation but we can talk about it Forever and ever, and yeah, we're actually sure. doing a show in I mean, two I think weeks that the on sustainability. Well, <laughs> I will tell you that the like biggest the thing for us Iceland is we, had, you know? right. we have always we've always believed in buying sustainably, and I mm-hmm. think responsible buying it is not just a marketing thing. Right. I mean, we were we were doing it to be honest with you before it was it was cool. You know, right. Now we we really believe that that's how you should should purchase. Because it's about longevity for, for you and also for, for those products. All right. So before Jeff comes back in and we talk about all this delicious food in front of us, what are you pouring us next? Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah, Don't be sorry. So Francis Ford Coppola okay. has a winery in Napa, mm-hmm. um, and it's really more of a resort. I mean, it is it is unreal mm. um, what he has done. I'm going to do these glasses. Okay. Um, and it, this is named for his daughter, Sophia. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a Blanc de Blanc, but it, it is a combination of different grapes. It's got some Riesling and I think Muscadet. Um, when she died in Godfather 3, wasn't everyone relieved? Okay, <laughs> moving on. She's a great I wasn't director. Really so, her, I wanted to see her live she's on. She's a great, a much better director than I. So, <laughs> fun product, also in little tiny cans, which is really cute. Which is really cute and fun. Now, where do you guys... Do you pour this? Where do you we pour, pour it? We pour this. This is poured at BTS. Oh, it, it is? Yes. In the yes. cans? In cans. We How serve it in cans. How much fun. So. so cute. It is cute. I love that. Um, so at both BTSs. Yes. That's great. Yes. It is. Yeah, so, no, I think Oh, it's you're fun. seeing this so much with, and you talk about sustainability and smart purchasing. I mean, we do we do wine on tap. We have sparkling on tap as well, and it's... Uh, it's a really, you know, a new thing. You know, we're doing now with the the influx of different beer programs. You know, you're getting sixtals instead of uh, half barrels of beer and so mm-hmm. on. So we're product is fresher and it, it really goes to wine as well. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because, um, you know, I think initially people were a little wary of either on tap cocktails or on tap wine, but it actually makes so much. sense. 
sense. Well, yeah, you know, the it really started with back, you know, back in the day when I came up, you know, you were it was a cork and and right. you know, 10% of the bottles could be could be what they call corked. Um, and oftentimes a bottle that you see in a restaurant that someone thinks is corked is not is not really, but mm-hmm. it's just, you know, we guarantee a purchase, so we would always, you know, deal with it. But right. as as cork then went to to a uh, manufactured product and also screw caps, mm-hmm. sort of the next step in how do you deliver the product in the best manner? And a lot of product, a lot of wine products are not aged in wood anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be aged in, believe it or not, concrete or in stainless. Um, uh, and so to serve it that way doesn't hurt the product at all. Right. No, but I just think, in, in fact, it does quite the opposite. It preserves the product. Yeah, I mean, it's really about the absence of oxygen. Right. So it makes so. sense. Even with cocktails, though? Well, a distilled product can live forever, so okay. cocktails are really less of an issue. I mean, it's really more. Um, I mean, you, I guess you could lose by evaporation some product in the long but run, this, but it takes this a long no time. Different. In other words, you, sometimes you worry you'll sort of pick up the taste of the metal in the can. This is absolutely not. not. I mean, I, you know, it's it's the the, the whole process now is so seamless. It's it's you, you really don't have that problem. I mean, I think the danger of of contaminants and bacteria is more in a traditional bottle. That makes sense. All right, Jeff, we're going to have to take a break in a minute, but can you tell us what you cooked up here in studio? What I'm eating already? I know. It's, it's sort of a Szechuan brunch dish. It's for my take. So I've done a, it's a crispy short grain rice that I mm-hmm. cooked down with some uh, Chinese sausage, almost like a hash. Okay. And then I top it with some spicy Szechuan mapo tofu mm. and then a um, runny egg on top and some sliced scallions. So. And this is something that we're going to see at the new Perspective, yes, maybe okay. for a possible brunch dish, yes. Well, I think it makes so. a lot of sense. I thought it fit the time of day better here on a Sunday morning. <laughs> All right, this is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. When we get back, there are so many things going on at the Passion Food Hospitality Restaurants. We're going to find out about all of them when we return. We'll be back in just a sec. This segment of Foodie and the Beast is sponsored by ProFish, D.C.'s premier seafood company. ProFish delivers only the freshest, safest, and most sustainable seafood. Visit them at ProFish.com. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We've got the Passion Fish Hospitality guys in here, and we're eating well. Passion Food Hospitality. Pa- what did I say? Passion, passion Fish is fish. the restaurant. So they have Passion Fish, but they are Passion Food. I am passionate about their fish. Okay. Uh, passion Food. So, uh, I, you know, I have a note here that you have a number of, um, of kind of fun promos coming up. Who well, wants wait, to talk before about? we get into that, can we just talk about Tempan for just a sec? We were sure. talking about it off air. So when do we think it's going to open? Uh, we're looking to um, we're st- starting actually hiring tomorrow on site. Okay. And the location is 7900 West Park Drive. It's the building that's all lit up at night with the different colors. Mm-hmm. And we're looking to open Monday after Thanksgiving, which I think is the 28th. Okay, great. Yeah, November. So it's right around the corner. And this is a totally new space. Totally new space. It was an older building that got resurfaced and refaced and redone. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. building. Uh, it's about a five-minute walk from the Tyson's Corner Metro, so very close. Oh, very close. Yes. Okay, and, great. Uh, so it's a brand-new restaurant and basically a brand-new building. Yes. So you'll be doing this, lunch and dinner? Lunch correct. and dinner, valet parking, and actually it's a walk from the Metro, and literally you can walk from Tyson's 2, Tyson's Corner Center. It literally is, is right there. Um, and it's it's a great new look, big, beautiful, beautiful, big glass windows. We have a private dining room, also a lot, some several tea rooms and so on. Uh, what we call tea rooms oh, yeah. for dining. Wow. How many also square a nice big it? lounge. It's about seven thousand square feet with a, an outdoor outdoor seating area and a fire pit. We're doing outside. Oh, fun! That'll and as Dave almost mentioned, we have free valley parking for lunch and dinner. So that's great. Mm-hmm. I wish you guys would do that for in Tyson's, the city. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, just real quick, I also have Especially you for lunch. drinking a uh, a wine we call the Prisoner. 
Okay. Um, oftentimes I feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Who does And that is by uh, Provenance, and that's a, uh, they're a great sourcer of grapes out in Napa Valley. Um, nice, deep, um, Italian-influenced red wine. Okay, and where are you serving this? Uh, we serve that at uh, District Commons. District Commons? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It's a beautiful wine. Now, what about the wine program at Ten Pen? Ten Pen's program will be um, Asian-influenced. It'll be what, what we want to do is really match what Jeff does with the food. So in any of the projects, we'll, we'll sort of tongue-in-cheek about some of them. But uh, what we want to do is the uh, wines of Australia, New Zealand, um, what we would call the Alsatian influences of, of Western Europe. So, so lots of Rieslings? Rieslings, dry Rieslings, mm-hmm. as well as uh, some good German influenced wines that really cut to that spice that, that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some fun things that we find from all over the world. I mean, we'll, we're, we'll never say never about trying to find something new. We'll also have a, uh, a great sake program mm. from your traditional Junmai products to um, different influence, whether they be pear or cloudy and so on. Do you guys, Japanese whiskeys. So. Oh. Do you ever look at, I mean, we've had people with Bulgarian wines and um, Georgian wines and all that. Yeah, you wines ever, from India. Yeah, you had a program ever, here. You know, sometimes yeah. I think, just as I was saying before about sustainability, sometimes it's about how great's the product. So, you know, we, we even have some, you know, wonderful wines from Virginia and Maryland and so on that you, that you get and, and, I mean, sometimes I'm shocked. We had a, a wine, Ship of Fools, in, from Michigan at District Commons for a period of time. And it was just, it was awesome. So it just depends what you find from where. Sometimes, but also, how do you, but I so, think educating the client is the hardest part. How do you educate well, the, the, end of the day, on in, Michigan? In the end of the day, flavor is really the best teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, and in wine, so much of it is the package as well. But sometimes I also want to do the service for the guest. I mean, they're paying us, and and what they want is us to do a lot of that research for the them. So right. sometimes you might find a great product that is local here, but it's not as good as the same product I can get somewhere else for less money for them. So we right. really feel like we have that duty as well. All right. So you guys do have tons of promos going on at all your different restaurants. From Penn Commons, you have... Uh, Redskins and Monday Night Football. The games. hoist of the Stein. That's yeah, so right. what is that? We, we have yeah. a competition, so whoever can can hoist the Stein, uh-huh. the beer Stein, and hold it the longest. I thought it was a guy named Irving Stein. I was yeah. confused. <laughs> Which is um, so, and whoever does that the longest at halftime gets in the in the they get an, a gift certificate and they and they That's also fun. continue on in that and they could wind up in Vegas. So for the final, it's like of Thor's this competition. hammer. Wait, it's a real competition? Exactly. It is a competition going on nationally, yes. yes. It's through Sam Adams. Are you guys, like, filming it? You should Facebook Live it. Um, well, the, the filming is better when someone falls, so okay. we'll, we'll, we'll film that. <laughs> okay, and at District Commons, let's see, you've got a beer bottle challenge. Oktoberfest. We do an Oktoberfest right. there. Yeah, we do that <laughs> weekly, and that's throughout the month of October uh, at District Commons as well. We also, you know, there we do our keg killer, and that's done monthly. Um, and that is that sounds you know, dangerous. In the in the well in the industry, you know, we like keep keep our lines nice and clean. So to do that, we have to run out of beer. Right. So we have a mile of beer lines. line under that restaurant. So we run the keg kegs dry a one mile. night a month, um, and it's the first Monday of every month at District Commons and at Burger Tap and What Shrine. does that mean okay. for the customer? It means they get a great grams. deal, and until uh, it runs dry. Wow. Yeah, three dollars. Three bucks. Three, three bucks. Three bucks. Oh my God. Yeah, we run out. Uh, now you're. Playing my song. Mr. Cheapo will be there. Um, and so, so you have those two promotions. You yeah, guys now we brunch? have we have one bittersweet promotion. Fuego okay. is uh, is right. going to be closing the end of end of this week. Mm-hmm. Um, 
great product. We love that restaurant. It just it doesn't fit with with um, what we're trying to do, and and we have to have to part ways with it. But that being said, we're killer week. We're doing five dollar tacos, mm-hmm. uh, taco plate, I guess I should say. So two tacos for five bucks. Is that right, Jeff? Yes, correct. And then also uh, five dollar specialty drinks, five dollar margaritas. All week long. All week long until till Sunday so we when the when the and then our wines first, were I doing. <laughs> I think the wines were five dollars a glass, mm-hmm. also for wine, and twenty dollars a bottle. So wow, great time. You know, we have a hundred and thirty different tequilas there, so it's a great time to get your last t- tequila fix and. Uh, and Clarendon foodie fix. So. No, it sounds like it. I mean, it's a shame that it's closing, but you're on to bigger. Yeah, you know, we get very emotionally tied to these these projects, and sometimes it just doesn't work, and we have to, at a certain point, make a business decision. And it's unfortunate, but it is necessary. Well, I think it's the nature yeah. of the business. Yeah, it is. Right? I mean, it doesn't feel good. It's a but, printing process, you know. Right, but you're... I, I will say that that Regency, who's the the new landlord there, they're redeveloping that whole center. Mm-hmm. So it, and you know we've talked to them at length. It's going to be a couple of year project to really redevelop that market common. Uh, but they'll do a great job, and they're, and they're they're good people. It's just it's necessary. Well, as I said when before you arrived here, but we were talking in studio. I mean that space sort of has um, a little dark cloud over it. So you know sometimes <laughs> well, it's a huge you know, it's space. It's a tough market a little it's bit. It's space. I mean it's there's if a lot of restaurants closing in Clarendon right now. Yeah, yeah I'm sure just... of that. So but that's okay. You know you're on to bigger. Well, I think you have things. a lot of younger people who are doing well, but they're spending a lot on rent. They've exactly. Got, they've right. got car loans. They've got all that. Student so, loans. Yeah. Well, food is important, and it's still kind of post college. You know, let's go out Mentality, and, and yeah. you know, and have cocktails before before food becomes a thing. I think that's yes. emblematic of that neighborhood. So. Right. A little bit, yeah. Well, when they, and they go out there. It's so actually close to DC. That it's like you know what if we're going to do it, you know, because we wanted to, you know, we really didn't want to to. I don't want to say quote unquote dumb it down, but we wanted to really have a true, traditional yet contemporary Mexican restaurant. And that's, you so know, that's really nice. We'll say, hasta la vista fuego. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so what a great way to do it. I, I got to jump in. Yes, I'm going to jump in quickly because the show's almost over. Fat. I forgot to, and I want to thank our sponsors, ProFish, <laughs> mm-hmm. Black Restaurant Group, Clyde's, and of course, Celebrity Cruises, which yep. is my opportunity to segue to uh, the cruise that Nikki curated for Celebrity. Nikki is their brand ambassador for the D.C. region. Mm-hmm. She's put together a cruise January 28th to February 4th to the Caribbean uh, with. Three of the area's top top chefs um, and um, a, a great David mixologist. Gloss. Well, I'll let you tell the All whole right. story. So, in case you haven't heard, David Gloss, Marjorie Meeks Bradley. Uh, Mike Isabella and Derek Brown and myself and my husband David are all going to the Caribbean January 28th. We're going, we leave for Miami. It's a week long trip. It's on Celebrity Cruise. It is not a major trip where you like have to do all these different things. It's just really low key and laid back. There's going to be um, a fabulous reception. There's going to be a excursion um, in Mexico where the chefs will cook on a private beach and Derek will be shaking up cocktails. There'll be two demos. Is it a nude beach? No. Thank God. Thank God. Well, thank God for a lot Just of you. Um, uh, there will be um, some terrific demos. And, of course, at the end of the day, it's just about hanging out on this fabulous, fabulous ship, the Reflection, which we have actually been on before. It is it's enormous, and it's really beautiful. And all the people who sign on to this trip get a beautiful room with a veranda, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. So we really do hope you'll join us. There are still a few rooms left, and it's dcchefscruise.com. Yeah, okay. and honestly, anything? if you're a foodie, and I mean, to be able to hang out with Mike and Marjorie and David, uh, mm-hmm. just at the pool or in the casino, and just hang out, exactly. uh, is yeah, okay. going to be a real treat for people that are 
into food the way some people are into sports. And that's exactly so right. So that's kind of it. Right, but I want to talk about next week's show. So next week, we have Chef Sang from Tip Cow coming in studio. She's going to be talking about her spicy cuisine. And um, the Area Food Bank is doing their uh, big bowl, soup bowl fundraiser. So they're going to come in with all their different bowls because it's a great way for them to raise More money. More free food. And twenty nine forty one, they are getting really big into weddings. We're going to find out how you can have yours there. So we want to thank the entire right. team from Passion Food Hospitality for coming yeah. in today. I also want to thank Simone Rathley, our PR. Yay, person. Simone. Oh, a shout out. Who happens yeah. to be married to David Guas. Right, there he's coming on the trip with us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, All right. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. And I finished up there with the 21st Amendment Fireside Chat beer there. You'll enjoy that nice English ale. Thank All you right. so much. Everybody have a delicious week. <laughs>